0: Welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. We are here with your week two preview. I'm back on the pod with Tom Sterling. Tom, uh, you know, you and I have spoken in the time since last week's opening week's weekend of games. uh, But, you know, the folks don't really know your takes on the games that happen. What was your big takeaway from week one watching those games? Uh,
1: Week one is always really interesting because you get to see who is the most prepared, the quickest. Offenses are always the last ones to kind of get geared up after defense and special teams and things. And so I think we saw a a bit of a spark from Western and if possible, uh, a surprise in Winati who is a going to be a stud of a running back for them almost on the same level as Keon Edwards, right out the gate, which is just insane. Uh, I think for people who are watching that game specifically, um, the score, I don't know that really indicates the quality of the players. I think Guelph is going to take a little bit more time to kind of get going and things, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's a preview of the Yates cup. Um, and, uh, a bit of a heartbreaker down in Windsor. I really thought the Lancers were going to come out with that, but, uh, Ottawa found a way And behind that monster of a running back, JP, uh, C McKinda, uh, they found the, the dub there and that was uh, two very exciting games to watch.
0: Yeah, I, I I mean, on all points there, you're bang on. I mean, it's funny to think that when we go back to last season, it was such a, a fun race of, you know, who's going to, you had Keon Edwards in the OUA East, you had Rashid Tucker, pardon me, in the OUA West, you had Rashid Tucker for Queens in the OUA East, and just these two backs racking up yards after yards, touchdowns after touchdowns, and you know, not to make mountains out of molehills, but that's kind of what week one is also for. Um, It seems like that running back race is going to take place in the Western <laughs> offensive locker room. I mean, and I think like I said this on one of the pods before. I think like you, you will find people in the Western room will be like to kind of the point you brought up. It's like, I mean, Keon's been there. I mean, when was there last year, too, but, you know, it, it's kind of like who you know pick your poison um so that yeah and you know we're gonna then it's 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 funny and we'll get to that game but you know we're gonna see laurier obviously open up their season this week and we were kind of joking off pod before we started recording where it's like it'd be nice though to see what laurier is looking like not against western just to sort of you know we don't want to read too much and that much like we didn't want to read too much into what waterloo is made of after they beat down york because reasons but you know um Anyways, the yeah, a hell of an entertaining week. Um, we'll go through game by game as we normally do and give you all our uh, all our thoughts on who we think will come out on top. So we will start with the aforementioned York Lions taking their show on the road to Hamilton, a game that, uh, Tom, you are going to be at live uh, where they take on your former team, the McMaster Marauders, 1 o'clock on Saturday. Um, as a sort of programming, pro- programming note um you know with it being the Labor day weekend you get a little diversity in the schedule time and we'll obviously sort of allude to that as the games proceed but anyway so we have two teams coming into this both losing their opening game Mac on the road against Carlton York at home against Waterloo just sort of big picture what's you know I kind of mentioned this about Waterloo it's hard to decipher too much when you play York what is it from Mac I think surprise surprise we're probably picking Mac across the board in this game. What is it you're looking for in this game that will tell you something, or is it just going to be, Hey, they'll beat, they'll beat York and it'll just be on to week three.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be the story of the year where most of our picks, whoever York plays, it's going to be a dub for the other team. But what I'm really looking for here is to still see improvement, even though you're playing against a team that, you know, is not on the same caliber of, uh, of play that you are currently at. The position group that I'm looking at the most is going to be that McMaster offensive line. I think a lot of what we saw in that previous game, we saw Carlton come away with six total sacks against Andreas Dueck. Now, anytime you get six sacks against a team, that's a lot of the O-line. They got to, you know, be better in things. Carlton was really good at sending varied pressure, with sending halfback blitzes and things that offensive lines don't normally account for or if they do it's their last possible read and I think Andreas Duick, from what I saw is used to getting hit as often as he is and so instead of continuing to look downfield and throw the ball he's now looking down and seeing where the pressure is coming from and almost tucking the ball and protecting it so, I'm looking to see this McMaster offensive line assert their dominance, get back to some more confidence just with that team in general and see how Mac can respond after a very tight loss against the Carleton Ravens.
0: Yeah, and you know, you mentioned the offensive line and it's hard to it's hard to not make that the the sort of point of interest not just because of the sacks, but because when you look at the team's performance last year, that's really what gave them fits as a team that they were you know, that Duick was getting hit uh so much. And then you add on to the fact and I mentioned this in the the review pod from last week, which is that Matt couldn't run the ball either. And so it's, you know, that's added evidence to think that, well, you know, was Shaheem Charles Brown just having a monster game? Obviously he was, you know. Um so maybe you don't put that all on on the O line and yeah, maybe Duick held the ball for a bit long, you know, he's a Manitoba boy. They're built tough out there, showing he can take those hits but then when they're not running the ball either, you have to start thinking, well, golly, maybe this is, you know, the the D-line's able to pin their ears back. But there's one name, um, you know, a guy that I, I didn't realize um, you know, kind of watching that game somewhat secondhand in the you know, the three one o'clock games last week, um, that I didn't really pick up what who was on the field. And that's Justice Allen. Um, and a guy who not only can run the ball, but run the ball effectively but you know he he returns for them they can sort of spread him out wide in that kind of almost uh you know slot back type position um assuming that we see uh justice back is is that going to give us a better read perhaps on on what that off that that must give us a better read on what that offense is going to look like
1: yeah, absolutely. I think we spoke about it a little bit on that preview that we had before the season. Justice Allen is a bit of an all-day back for them where he can be in the backfield like a standard running back, go out into the flats on a swing pass and still uh, catch yards or uh, catch the ball for some additional yards there and even put him into a slot receiver spot. He's fast enough and he's got solid enough hands that he is uh, be he's got the ability to be very versatile. And I'd be shocked. If John Parks in that offense do, doesn't use him as often as they possibly can, he's going to be a big part of this offense.
0: Yeah, just as a, just as a player where you know you might be underwhelmed if you just look at what he does running the ball, he's a guy you got to go to the AP yards, got to see what he's doing all purpose because that's where he makes his money. That's where he is. That's you know that's where he's become the uh, the known commodity he is for them. One last thing I'll say on on the York front and sort of touching on the the offensive line again is that you know. York for as much as they sort of lend themselves to be poked fun at and holy moly was their fun being poked at them um following that game but you know a couple guys on that defense that if if this o-line if it it really is that o-line it's having trouble you know a guy like matt dean dawson davis jason janvier messier um guys who you know (laughs) the system might be broken but are good football players and you know can give a quarterback fits, especially on, on an O-line's best of days. Um, not to mention if it is the case that Max O-line is struggling a little bit. That's not taking my uh, my pick anywhere other than saying Mac is taking this one running away. I'm assuming uh, your feelings are the same on that one, Tom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think it is important to note for as much as we say against York, they do have some uh, some athletes on that field. Um, you mentioned Jason jean Messier three and a half total tackles as a defensive end plus a sack and a forced fumble on a defense that is struggling to say the least is something Mm -hmm. to note at the very least. So I think that Mac is still going to come away with this victory. However, if they go into this with any kind of overconfidence or whatever else, this could be a lot tougher of a game than they are thinking it would be. So like I said, I'm looking to see this Mac team clean everything up from the Carlton game and just assert their dominance as one of the teams to beat in the o u a
0: yeah and and it's gonna be the first game at Mac. The students will all be there, you know some very devastating losses in my career. At Ron Joyce, but it is a fun place to play, even as an opposing opponent. I say this time after time that whoever does the in-game ops and all that kind of stuff do a heck of a job there. You obviously know that scene better than I. Um, I'd be remiss though. Just last thing on York. Um, we mentioned some of those guys on offense, probably on defense. Um, you know, this is a team that was missing um, on their sort of skill position front offensively. and Daly, Avante McCoy, I don't know what their status is, but, you know, as as easy as it is to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, Noah Crane—he just couldn't get it done. It's like, well, he's missing two of his key guys, and, you know, he could, even saw a guy like Darnell Jarrett take a big hit in that game, too. I mean, oh, no rest for the Wicked. Um, And apparently the Wicked are the York Lions. Let's move on to our next game. Um. This is the pit this is the game that uh, I, we were talking before I think is is perhaps the sexiest game of the weekend it is the Queen's Golden Gales taking their show on the road to Ottawa um, both these teams uh, picking up the win in their first week of action Queens at home against UFT Ottawa as you mentioned with that um, incredible um, last second finish against Windsor um the the reason I call this this game the sexiest game of the weekend um, is I'm not sure if there's ever been a situation where the two teams playing got to face each other three times the year prior. You know, we go back to that East-West divide. They played each other twice in the regular season and then played each other in the Eats Cup semifinal, the OUA East Conference Championship, whatever we want to call (laughs) that game. And, I, you know, I did feel like Ottawa, each game, got, you know, had a little bit more success. Obviously, that familiarity, they say it's hard to beat a team twice. I mean, by that logic, it must, only therefore be that much harder to be a team three times which queens did nonetheless um this is not a team where we saw though um ben miracle get hurt um not sure what his status is and a queens team that just not you know against a uft opponent that it's not the same sort of barometer as talking about when you face york but was so solid on all fronts queens at home or pardon me queens on the road against the ggs what are your thoughts on this one
1: yeah i think uh i think even with the miracle injury, I think this is already going to be a sample of what we're going to see from this Ottawa team, where they're really relying on that solid run game that they got with JPC McKinda and that offensive line that was really moving and things. I mean, anytime it doesn't really matter what you're going against. Anytime you need to do 18 rushes for 125 yards, that's uh that's a substantial game within the OUA. So I'd look to see JP be a main focal point of that offense, even if Ben Miracle is back. Um, Anytime you go into, you know, an, an injury, especially a quarterback, it can be, you know, a little daunting at the very least. But Matt Mahler, for his credit, you know, 12 for 21, 117 yards. He did throw that one interception there. But for his, you know, a thrust into the uh, the game when you don't really know what's going to be happening, not a bad start. In the very least, let his team back uh, for that last second field goal against Windsor here. I think this is going to be, like you said, the, could be the sexiest game of the year. Um, Anytime you play against a team three times in a year and you get swept all three times, that's going to take, you know, put a little bit of bad blood within that game. Uh, I think Queens is uh, got a nice little wake up call at the very least from that U of T team getting up on them. And even like uh, Nate was saying on that recap, technically right after that, that half with Toronto running it back, it was what 25 to 19 at the beginning of the second half. So coming back, After being down like that and, you know, asserting your dominance, certainly in that second half against Queens, I think that's a bit of a statement and I'm looking to see them roll with this James Keenan and um, Jaden Blackman really being the focal points for that offense.
0: Yeah, and and you know you you mentioned Blackman there, who obviously not only had a hell of a game running the ball, had the massive return for them on the missed field goal by UFT in the end. Obviously, a, a young man who uh, I'm so excited to see what his career develops um, into. Uh, London kid going out to Queens there. You know it's 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 interesting. Uh, you know we brought up uh, Rashid Tucker's name and kind of talking about Keon Edwards a little bit. And you know out of out of all the guys that are tough to replace, you think well. How how do you replace Rashid Tucker? I mean, he, there there's you know there's few backs. I mean, aside from a guy like Kian Edwards that can single handedly do what he does, but it almost feels like Queens went the money ball route of being like, no no no, we don't need to get another. you're not gonna get another Rashid Tucker necessarily. Those those guys are somewhat a dime a dozen, needle in the haystack. But if we can replicate. The production he got and you mentioned Jaden blackman's name 12 carries 134 yards i mean that alone like you're happy with that but then anthony souls 10 carries for 87 everyone knows i mean if you watch this queen's gales team you know that james keenan you have to contain him in the pocket he ended up three carries for 66 yards and a guy in jared Kasari for 53 yards of his own um you know and in some ways it almost feels more dangerous when you know you can put up I mean they put up 343 yards rushing I mean I don't remember many Rashid Tucker games where he's put up that kind of yardage but you know even if it's comparable to Rashid Tucker's numbers you know which I'm sure that 343 or that rushing total won't be close to 343 against Ottawa's defense as it was against Toronto's in some ways I feel like it's almost more beneficial when you have you know even if it's only slightly higher production, or even if it's slightly less, but coming from multiple angles where you can't just key in on this one guy. What do you think of this uh, this Queen's rushing attack um, behind as well? A bit of a revamped O line. They lost some guys on that um, that side of the ball too, but clearly they don't look like they missed a step, albeit against a team in Toronto where we're not
1: too sure what to make of them yet. Yeah, I think this. I think this Queen's offense was probably the best out of the gate. If you want to say that, I think Western, like we said, was obviously that powerhouse, but did struggle a little bit against Guelph until they found their groove in that second half. You know, Queens finished the day with 589 yards of total offense. That's huge. Um, Putting up those kind of numbers, you know, 343 on the ground, 246 in the air. That's pretty substantial stuff. So I think they're already starting to find a solid groove here. You're talking about that rushing attack. James Keenan also finished 20 for 24, 246 yards and a touchdown. Like that's, that's a solid day on its own. And then to have 343 yards of rushing on top of that is huge. So this Queens offense is coming out of the gate, firing on all cylinders and, Like we were saying before, I think James Keaton is a huge part of that, but he doesn't have to be the entire offense now. As long as you have that Jaden Blackman and he's able to continue doing what he's doing here, this Queen's offense could be very dangerous.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like I always have a, a, a natural whether it's a bias, but I just, there's certain teams where you kind of assume that they'll be solid on certain ends. And for Ottawa, it's usually that defense that's, that's been really consistent for them. And they, they have some guys in there that, you know, are familiar names from years past, James Peter, uh, Kevin Victome amongst the rest, but just, I mean, only one game in, but just based on just, uh, um, sort of roster, just looking through the roster, it doesn't instill the same type of confidence as some of the teams past, um, on the defensive front, obviously, I'm happy for them to prove me wrong. So, um, I say a lot in saying that I'm I'm going to take Queens on the road in this one. Where Where are you leaning with this game?
1: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Queens as well here. I think uh, I think they are just a little bit more finely tuned than Ottawa is right now, especially with that uh, considerable well, potential injury at quarterback. I think even if Ben Miracle is back, he's still feeling a little bit of the effects of that injury there. uh, As long as they can find a way to shut down that rushing attack that behind JPC McKinda. I think Queens kind of comes away with this. Uh, the one thing that I also wanted to mention with that, you know, going along with that 246 yards passing with Queens, six different receivers caught the ball from James Keenan. That's amazing where, and especially in an OUA field, where you normally have one or two guys that you really like to go for, having six different guys touch the ball is fantastic. So yeah, I think Queens is going to take this one.
0: Yeah. And th- and honestly, that's always what I found so impressive about the uh, Andreas Duick led McMaster offenses uh, with Potasic is that he had weapons at receiver, but there wasn't always that offense just felt like a machine. It wasn't just, you could hone it on one guy um, and you're, you're bang on for sort of uh, identifying that with Queens. Um, So we'll see. Obviously, as you highlighted, this is a team that made it to a Yates Cup and has as big a chip on their shoulder as anyone else. We'll move on to the other game on Saturday night. The only time you'll have to be uh, competing for uh, your viewing pleasure uh, where we have Western on the road against Wilfrid Laurier where the Golden Hawks open up their season at home. Laurier is interesting. You know, they're a team that uh, I was very bullish on times last year. Obviously, Connor Carousello goes down early. We see the rookie and Taylor Algazma have to get reps um, probably earlier than the uh, Golden Hawk uh, brain trust thought he would, but it, it's always about that defense. And they, <laughs> they're a defense that, you know, year after year has, and we were kind of talking about this off, off pod before we started recording, you know, they are, you know, if not D line you in pretty close contention, but, you know, it, when I look at this, when I look through their roster, you know, guys like Ayo Ajayi back at corner, a guy like Shamari Hutchison back kind of, I don't know if he's in that kind of Sam half position. Um, who else do they have coming back? I mean, they're they're missing a guy like Christian Hutter Coppin, which is massive for them in the secondary and a few other guys. But I feel like the story of this team for me, once again, is going to be and perhaps a bit overzealously, but really buying into their defense. A couple of the names on the D line that really stand out as well, like Brubacher, Amanua. Um, And it's a young offense. And I don't have much to say. I don't know much about their offensive line, but as we kind of joked about, this is a team that as as much as you don't want to read into too much of week one, I I wish there was a, I wish they were opening up their season against a, a team that, you know, any given Sunday, da 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 da. but you'd expect a more, uh, perhaps close fight. I guess, spoiling the fact that I'm going to be picking Western in this game, um, just to really see what this team's made of. Um, Western, as you mentioned, took them a bit of time to get their, their, you know, what's in gear. Um, taking on a team that, as I kind of highlighted, will like Guelph, perhaps rest their, you know, rest their laurels on the defense. What do you make of this game?
1: Laurie opening up the season at home against Western. Uh, First and foremost, anytime you have a bye week at the very beginning of the year, I think, in my opinion, that is one of the toughest things to kind of get through because it's essentially three weeks of training camp. You don't really get what that bye week should be, which is a rest between uh, the big seasons and everything else. But when you have your first game of the season against Western, that extra week of prep time is always going to be helpful there. I think Laurier, once again, uh, has a lot of questions for sure. I think completely agree with you. They are somehow managed to be that D line you with some of the guys that have consistently been coming out of there. Even Luke Brubacher, um, interior lineman, if I, if I'm not mistaken, led the team with four and a half sacks, that's not an easy feat to do. It, most of the times those guys are getting double teamed at, and pretty much all of those passing routes, especially if you're showing as the guy to, you know, who's going to be the leading in sacks. So I think that's going to be pretty impressive to, to see how he kind of fares. I don't know how well they're going to do against that Western offensive line because they turn out some absolute studs year after year um, on that, the part the, with the purple ponies there, but it'll be interesting to see. I'm also really interested to see what that offense is going to look like. I know you and I kind of talked about it, but Quentin Scott kind of captured a, a few hearts last year with some of explosive plays in that and uh, a few of those games there. I'm interested to see, how much he's going to be a part of this offense as well. And if Taylor Elgersma can build off of the year that he had last year and continue to get better as well.
0: Yeah. Quinton Scott was, was definitely a bit of an OUA darling towards the end of the year, coming on hot late guy and Tanner Nelms, uh third year guy at a Guelph there. He's been in the program for a bit. Um, and as we kind of touched on as well, a pretty young offensive line uh, protecting Elgersma and leading the way uh, for guys like Nelms and, uh, and for Scott, obviously on that offense, you know, you lose Ente Aguavon, I mean, doesn't matter who's at quarterback, he's going to make a receiver like that is making any QB's life that much better. So, you know, I, I feel like this is a team that's going to try and grind out wins if they can, um, you know, really just chew up the clock, run the ball and rely on their defense to be stout and to hold teams. Um, now, of course, the team we're asking them to hold is the Western Mustangs. And, you know, we talked about what they did on the ground with Keon Edwards, Edward Winati putting up math, 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 a combined two twenty three 23 um, against a Guelph defense that while traditionally very strong and I don't think they're they're anything but a solid defense, we did obviously highlight, they lost their whole dang line back in court, including Ben Lackett safety as well, who definitely enjoyed playing in the box when he could. Um, so for them to put up that kind of production against a, a defense in Guelph, with the caveats of the guys that they lost and whatnot, you wonder just how other teams you mentioned, obviously, Lori getting the extra week to prep, but you know, Guelph being a team that teams across the league, I think, constantly do respect what they do defensively. You know, it's one thing for them to have lost that game; it's another for them to have got run on the way they did. And just what <laughs> does that do when you are just looking at, it and be like, wait, they did that to did that to Guelph? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, you know, I <laughs> that that's a tough pill to swallow
1: yeah for sure it is I think that really shows the western run mentality where we're gonna go and we're gonna run and we're gonna run 30 times in a game and we're gonna pound and pound and pound and pound we're not gonna do tosses we're not gonna try to get around you we're gonna run right at you and very similar to like uh you know Derrick Henry in the NFL, where first quarter, second quarter, even third quarter is kind of nothing. And that fourth quarter, when you're tired and you're exhausted because you've been hitting this monster uh, play after play after play, they come out and they just start hitting. Edward Winati is a monster of a running back. I think, you know, obviously Keon Edwards, 12 uh, 12 rushes, 118 yards and two touchdowns, phenomenal game. But Winati kind of came out of nowhere where people didn't know what that uh, rushing attack was really going to look like for Western nine rushes for 105. That is not so bad for the sophomore running back for the Mustangs there. Um, I think that the rushing attack from Western is going to be the main focus of that offense for throughout the year. Uh, It's very tough to stop that even going back years and years and years just in general, and even Evan Hillock, you know, sophomore uh, quarterback as well, but 13 for 23, 155 yards and two touchdowns, it's not so bad for uh, a first game for the, the second year quarterback. So there's, there's a lot of weapons on this Western team, and it'll be interesting to see how Laurier kind of attacks that and tries to slow down one of them.
0: Yeah, if you if you can, right? I mean, yeah, and, and Evan Hogg, it's interesting. I mean, he's obviously has the talent. We saw him do it all, all year last year. Well, almost the whole year, of course, the performance he put up in the Vanier Cup. And, and you wonder, like, for a lot of these games, he probably doesn't have to do too, too much for them to win games. But you have to wonder when they want to perhaps start pushing the envelope because for this team to achieve the goals that they have set, which is being at that Vanier Cup in London... He, they're gonna need him to have big games and not to say that he didn't have a good game is solid performance obviously as we said he probably could have you know produced half of the product gone half the production he did and they still would have won that game the question will be when do they perhaps try to start pushing the envelope to really get that going Magne jones didn't really target him all that much what he have only two receptions on the on the game only two for griffin campbell so i mean I mean, we're 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 nitpicking as much as you can nitpick a team like Western going to this one. It, it will be interesting to see what that defense does for for Laurier with you know a, a few of those familiar faces that have made them a very intriguing team to watch over the years. Um, is it Western on the road, Tom?
1: It's Western on the road. Yeah,
0: it's Western on the road. And yeah,
1: it's, it's funny because you know we we spoke a lot about obviously Western's offense. That defense is terrifying right now. Uh, yeah, finish the game with uh, four total sacks and what four total interceptions, including three from Daniel Valente. That is <laughs> like Guelph is not a bad team. They are a good yeah. team. And to put up those numbers is a bit crazy. So, yeah, I think Western continues that train rolling and uh, goes through Laurier.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that depending on what happens, not this week, but the week after when Queens will go play Western. There's a good chance the season might just be over. <laughs> like, <laughs> Queen, you know, I feel like Princess Leia calling out to Obi-Wan, help us Queen's Golden Gales, you're our only hope at this point. Like, I'm not too sure who else might give him a good fight. But uh, we'll put that one to bed, move on to our, our next game now, sliding into Sunday night. And this is a game that has me just, oh, so tempted to make the drive back from London to Toronto. It's the Carlton Ravens on the road against the OFT Blues. 7 p.m. kickoff, Varsity Stadium. I mean... There, there are few venues I enjoy being at more. Um, I'll even say, just out of sports venues I've been to across the board, than at uh, Varsity Stadium night game to boot. It's just, I mean, my old man's gonna be there. Just he's riding soul, gonna check it out, you know. Um, but these are two intriguing teams. Obviously, both of them uh, falling uh, in their opening games. Carlton at home against um, again. Pardon me. Uh, Take that back. Of course, Carlton got the win at home against McMaster. My apologies, James Charles Brown. Shout out to you. UFT, um, uh, despite a very, very impressive first half, falling to uh, Queens on the road. Um, to me, that the biggest takeaway from that Toronto game seemed to be, you know, uh, and Nate talked about this, where you know uh, we we have Joe Demore run the offense for UFT. Of it's not really a big surprise where what he was going to make with a young guy like Kinsell Philip in that offense. Um, you know, Ryan McManus McManus for Queens. He might just need to have to be like, okay, all right, we got it. Here's the adjustments you need to make. We're good. It, it, it's, it's, it's such a tale of two halves. That it honestly looked like they're just like, all right, just chill out. We know that everyone watching this game right now is going nuts and bananas and saying Queens are phonies. All these things they are like, we're good guys. We'll know what they do. We'll make the adjustments. We'll move forward. Um, Carlton, obviously, on the back of a, the performance of the team, Charles Brown, and an offense that took a bit of time to get rolling, um, you know, picking up the win at home. Uh, what do you make of this game? Is 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 Carlton um, – it's too early to say, like, are they for real? But do they seem like a, a, a team that's going to be in that mix for that high component of that Tier 2 area? I mean, Toronto's not necessarily the best barometer for that, but what do you make of this game?
1: Yeah, I think what I was really excited to see with that Carlton offense is – Kind of what we talked about before, where last year, Tanner DeJong goes down and obviously a phenomenal player for them, but it felt like their entire offense just kind of fell off after that. Uh, The ball was getting spread around like crazy. You've got guys like Josh Ferguson and Cassine Ferdinand who are studs uh, with either running the ball or rushing the ball as well. Tanner DeJong, 21 for 29, 222 yards and a touchdown. Uh, pretty good for his return back to the OUA. Joshua Ferguson, 22 rushes, 119 yards and a touchdown. And Kasim Ferdinand with a fantastic diving touchdown grab in the back of the end zone there. Uh, I think this Carlton offense found their groove and found the rhythm, especially in that second half, and are going to start rolling a little bit more, kind of going through this. Obviously, Sheheem Charles-Brown, four sacks in a game, breaking the Carlton single-game uh, record with – You know, like you said in the uh, in the recap pod there, Carlton's defense, it's not like they haven't had any star players like that's a that's a very impressive feat to do against a Mac offensive line that admittedly has been struggling a little bit. But uh, Carlton, I think, is is really going to build on this momentum and continue rolling here. Um, I've liked what I've seen from this U of T Blues team. I think that they are. A lot better than even I gave them a lot of credit for. Kinsey Phillip. I know he had obviously tail of two halves there, but what I saw in that first half, I don't think that was a fluke. I think this Toronto team is gonna cause a lot of headaches for a lot of teams.
0: Yeah. I, you know, on the um on the Charles Brown point right there, the name in particular, if people are thinking like, yeah, Carlton's had good defenses, but like, you know, I mean, Jack Kassar, linebacker type, he wasn't gonna pick up sacks. Kenny Onyek, let's let's just put it up that's that's who we keep sort of invoking whether we're mentioning the name of like wow sheem charles brown broke their sack it's Ken onyeka is the guy where it's like if you thought someone would have been holding that record he might have had it before he did um but yeah for you know for carlton as you said defensively um th- they look to be you know pretty legit you know charles brown guy like cole hepburn and Dan mcwarder um Zendro Dan guys who have been in that defensive secondary for them, and of course picking up Talik Auman from the York Lions. Um and, you know, if they can continue with that consistency. I mean, Josh Ferguson was a big question mark coming into this year at running back, having missed some time with injury and, you know, losing Nathan Carter. And what was that gonna how was that gonna do for them? It'll be interesting to see, I mean, as you mentioned, great game for Tanner DeYong um coming back off that injury but the UFT team, we already extolled just the in, in, in immense rushing attack and performance that Queens put on them. Um, this will be an interesting test to, maybe not test, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how effectively Carlton runs the ball. And maybe that gives us more light on to just how good that Queens rushing game is sort of retro in retrospect of, of how Carlton can do. Cause you know, they'll certainly go to pound the rock. I mean, I think, um, in part and parcel to your point about not wanting to put all their eggs in the Tarrant Young basket. But I think with a back like Ferguson, who is kind of, you know, we talked about when and Edwards being these guys that are going to not only, you know, put yards on you, but make you feel it. I mean, Ferguson, I've got to meet him in person. He's a big dude. Um, and, you know, that's just, it just pays so many dividends down the road when you can not only run the ball, but make your team pay for it. The, the Kinsale Philip piece. I mean, I think I made this point in the in the review, in the in the review pod. There was times in that first half where you know it almost felt like he was kind of you know he he's kind of had no conscience out there. You know you hear that in like basketball where a guys like Steph Curry is just shooting no conscious. It just doesn't matter if he misses one, he just keeps going, keeps going. Where he almost didn't realize that this is a Queen's defense that is like absolutely littered with talent. He's just like, yeah, I'll throw this into this tight window. Oh yeah, I'll throw that fade. And I love that confidence from a young kid like that. It is you know. Tough, though, when he finishes the day with 225 yards. Not bad by any means, but 211 of those, I believe, came in the first half. Uh, so my, I know where my heart is leaning in this game. Um, I, I can feel it. I can feel it in my blood. I, I know where my head's leaning on this. So I'll, I'll give you the first uh, say on where you're going with this one. Uh, Tom, and then I'll, I'll, I'll resolve my, my inner conflict here.
1: <laughs> I think you're going through uh, the same thing that I'm going through here, where I want to see this varsity blues team g- get back to form and build off of the amazing stuff that they've been doing with clay over the past couple of years and things. Yeah. Um, I don't know that, that U of T offense for sure. They, they sputtered in that second half. Absolutely. But I think that speaks more to Ryan Beckmanis and his ability to make adjustments on the fly with a very talented Queen's defense. Um, so I don't, I don't think that that's going to be the the story of this U of T team. I think they are going to pick up a few wins this year, more than just the one over York in that that Argos Bowl. There, um, I think though. Carlton coming to town with the role that they're on in the big win against the McMaster team that will probably come down to playoff seating in the in the end of the, the week here. Um, I think Carlton comes in with a solid offense and a very good defense and gets the dub in Toronto.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that, that, that is where my head's leaning. I think that's where I'll go with uh, Carlton on this pick as well. It's, it's one of those games, too, where. You know, I I think this could be a tight game, um, if only for stretches, kind of like that Queens Toronto game was. Um, but this is a game that low key, like if 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 UFT does pick up the winners, I'd be more than happy to see that. I love seeing UFT have success. I love when all these teams have success. But that Carlton, like this could be massive for Carlton if 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 this becomes a like a trap game for them if they let this one slip, um, because not to get uh. Not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I mean, for Carlton, yeah, they still have York on the schedule, but, you know, got Queens, they got, well, actually, their schedule's not too, uh, you know, Car- you know Carlton, go ahead, lose this one to the Blues, I'll take it, <laughs> but I'm still going to take Carlton uh, on the road in this one, um, which will take us to our last game of the weekend, Labor Day Monday, it is the Guelph Griffins returning home to take on the Windsor Lancers. Um Windsor that heartbreaking loss at home to start their season Guelph with a performance against Western that I think left a number of people well definitely wanting more um you know we've obviously talked about how impressive this Western team is but if you're ever going to catch Western um like here there's a few things that like will lead to a Western regular season loss it's may it's maybe playing Guelph and maybe playing even more if you're playing Guelph in the Royal City in Guelph. I mean, Western at home is just—I mean, doggone it! I mean, good luck. Um, and it's early in the season. Uh, you know, we've seen time after time where they'll be in competitive games early in the season, maybe rematch with that team in the playoffs and absolutely roll them. Um, for Guelph to you know competitive first half, but it's just it's disappointing that they really just couldn't get anything going offensively and it we kind of talked about is this going to be you know given the losses on that defense with seeing Sean Long grow last year yes you're losing Keandre Smith and that's a huge loss but Clark Barnes just further ascending ascending is this going to be the year where perhaps the 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 secret flips in Guelph and it becomes a team that is a bit more offensive centric uh from one week of uh football and of course you know you take it with a grain of salt when you're playing the mustangs it it feels a bit uh you know what we've seen from guelph the last shoot like five years at least six years maybe um let's start with guelph i mean it's a team that uh, we're both quite familiar with you more so than me just from your uh time more recently spent with the team. You know, they're returning home and that's obviously a huge advantage for them. But just sort of big picture, how are you feeling with Guelph coming off that game and uh, going into this game against Windsor Monday night?
1: I think we've talked a lot about the Western Mustangs and how good they are and everything else. To the Guelph faithful that are out there, this is not a sign of what's going to happen with Guelph this year. I think anytime you open up the season against Western in London, that is a daunting task to say the least. And I think that with a young team like uh, Guelph has, I think they're going to start to find their groove a a little bit against Windsor, start to get some uh, some major wins and some some more confidence, and kind of build and and go forward from there. Um, Something else I wanted to bring up as well: we talked about you know losing some of those guys on defense and things. Christian Stewart did not dress or play for that uh, for Guelph against Western, and neither did Ethan Monahan, their star. Uh, freshman safety who they had last year going into his second year as well so I don't know if there's injuries there or what's going on with that but those are two key losses on that defense as well to kind of note there Um, if they come back for this game I think that's huge for this defense kind of going forward here and whatever they have to do to get them back as quickly as possible that's only going to make Guelph better going forward
0: yeah that's 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 incredible honestly that, that i completely went over my head that that's immense I mean we've talked so much about the linebacking core missing Ben Lack but you know Christian Stewart's a guy that I, I've kind of been talking about as the the guy who could be the breakout defensive line stud of the OUA I think you were we were in agreement on that one and yeah Monahan I mean so consistent for them last year and I think was it he got the was it him who got the the punt block against Laurier in that playoff game and I think we covered it for that touchdown um so a guy just makes plays for them I mean Shoot, it, <laughs> I you're you're right. The team, the success of this team won't be indicative of what they did against uh what they did or didn't do. I should perhaps more accurately say against Western. But man, it's it, you know this this is kind of similar with that Mac York game, um, in which you know we both picked Mac, but there's certain things that we're going to be looking for that even against uh, what should be a lesser opponent can still be indicative of where that better team quote-unquote better team is and this is a similar situation and I think we look at you know let's go over the Windsor side of the things I mean there was a lot of questions with them as far as number one who was going to be at quarterback who was going to be taking over after Sam Girard had left I mean it was definitely between Zinger and Skelton and Carter Zinger did obviously get the uh the the, the go for them uh, but Joey Zorn I mean <laughs> Let's introduce the world to Joey Zorn, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it seems like Windsor just always is able to just roll out. Here is our new running back, who's gonna you know lead the way for us. And 111 yards against that Ottawa defense. You know, who knows? We'll see as the year progresses just how stout that defense really is. Um, but that's nothing to sneeze at. Average 9.3 carries on that. I mean, that's something that all these concerns we is about that Guelph defense kind of talked about Laurie being a team that might try and grind out their victories. We saw Windsor grind out a victory, uh, grind out a game against Guelph last year. Obviously it's a little easier when it's on their home turf, but I mean, I'll say right now I'm picking Guelph in this game. I think Windsor
1: could give them a scare. I agree. I think, uh, I think the big stat to kind of look at with this Windsor team is three turnovers against Ottawa. That comes down to a, a last-second field goal where Ottawa wins 19-16. If they don't throw two picks and lose a fumble, I think that's a very different game, and I think Windsor comes away with a, with a victory there. Um, Carter Zinger, I actually really liked. I, I liked seeing him go, you know, 14 for 24, 101 yards, and like I said, two picks. Not the greatest outing for sure, but there was something there, and I, and I liked that. Joey Zorn, like you said, you know, phenomenal kind of, opening game 111 yards and uh, and a touchdown there against a an Ottawa defense that sure has still has some questions and I don't know how they're going to finish in the grand scheme of things but saw that little a little bit of that Windsor home stadium magic kind of coming into play here where they got a couple bounces here and there and things i think going on the road going to Guelph for a week where all of the students are going to be there that's going to be a packed stadium i think Guelph finds their groove here and uh they get the dub. Yeah. And, and you know what?
0: I, I, we've talked so much about um, familiar faces, not in the familiar places and Guelph, perhaps most notably amongst all the teams we talked about, um, especially on defense. But when we look at this Windsor team and sticking on the defensive side of things, and this is from what I understand, a guy that's not just been maybe injured or whatever, but uh, Bennett Vanny, um, at linebacker for them from last year, absolute stud, um, I don't believe is still with the team. And then, so when we look at, um, you know, this Guelph rushing attack, you know, a a team that I was a little surprised when you look at the, the results from uh, last week, um, you know, we talk about running back by committee with Queens, that's usually in the last few years, how Guelph's done things. It was really just Juan Jeffrey. They were going to Uh 13 carries, you know, some of the, you know, Kwame Osi, you expect to get carries only two for him. Kane Stevens, Stevenson, um, even getting, uh, you expect getting carries for them. He didn't rush the ball once. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out, how they choose to attack uh, Windsor on the ground. But yeah, without Vanny there, I mean, that's going to be huge for them all year. And um, that probably would have had uh, influenced my thinking on how this team might pan out in the grand scheme of the year and sort of our preseason predictions had I known that because um, he was a stud for them. I mean, they still got a guy like Andrew Beatty um, who's going to you know be consistent as all heck for them in that secondary Um but uh, that that's gonna be tough, and I I think I think it, for all those reasons, Guelph will get their There, you know what, rolling and um, yeah, pick up the dub at home. Um, yeah. So some, the Bath,
1: yeah. sorry, just a, one more kind of point onto there. Um, very interesting to see the the running back dynamic there at at Guelph. Um, certainly, Juwan Jeffrey was you know the the main back there, but Isaiah Smith and Craig Sherrington, um, two Burlington kids, by the way. Shout out Burlington, Ontario. <laughs> Uh, but Isaiah Smith, very versatile, actually played quarterback, uh, back in the day with, uh, his, his schools there in Burlington. So very, very good athlete. Craig Sherrington is one of the fastest kids I think I've ever seen. And both of them first and second year guys. So young guys getting some experience, getting some more exposure, and we'll see what they can do with that. Um, Ryan Shan's big proponent to who's going to play as a running back is and will always be who can block if you can't consistently block in the passing game you just you you become one-dimensional just as a pure runner and it just it can't happen that way so um very interested to see how this uh, guelph rushing attack kind of continues to evolve and go forward <sighs>
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, fortunately for all you tuning in at home, you won't be competing with anything because that'll be all on your screen on Monday night to go through the schedule. Once again, we kick off on Saturday, one o'clock. The York Lions at Master Marauders. Me and Tom are in lockstep picking Mac at home where Tom will be in the beer garden, I believe, uh, having some fun. <laughs> then we have Queens at Ottawa. We're both taking Queens on the road at 7 p.m. Also at 7 p.m. on Saturday, Western on the road against the Golden Hawks. Laurier opening up their season. We're both taking the Ponies on the road. Sunday night, Carlton visiting Toronto and both of us fighting perhaps a bit of what the heart wants but taking Carlton on the road there and then taking Guelph at home on the Monday night Labor Day game against Windsor. That'll pretty much do it for us here. Uh, Tom, any last words uh, with this schedule we have, this this beautiful schedule we have coming up this weekend?
1: Yeah, uh, a couple things here. First and foremost, it is so nice to finally have a schedule where we're not constantly competing with each other in terms of who we want to watch and everything else. In years past, I know it's been a, such a pain in the butt because every single game was at one o'clock. And so you really had to pick, okay, this is the game I want to focus on and maybe I can get some updates here, updates here or whatever, but we're finally getting and seeing a schedule that's certainly much better. I would have liked to have seen, at least on that Saturday, a 1 PM, a 3 PM and then a 7 PM instead of two 7 PMs, but I'll take what I can get. This is going to be a fantastic long weekend of uh, what I'm hoping was going to be some really exciting football. I know we don't have a specific game of the week per se, But with the exception of Mac York, I don't think that there's a game on here that's really going to be a pull away, you know, domination by any means here. I think this is going to be some really great competition here. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this weekend.
0: Uh, I'm in lockstep with you on that. And I will just say though, Tom, uh, don't look at the schedule for Saturday, September 10th, though. Your, your point is crashing in flames uh, brutally there. Um, and as I, I may have said that the Windsor-Guelph game, I'm trying to remember, I may have said that was a night game. It is 1 p.m. on the Monday as well. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how all these things shake out. Hope you enjoyed uh, C2C, the new uh, program that we're sticking in midweek, getting our correspondence from around the uh, other U Sports conferences to give us their opinions on what's going on in the AUS, West. We're still looking for that Quebec Correspondent, so if you or anyone you know would make a good fit for that, hit us up. We would love to have you on the show or else it's just me reading scores and reading schedules and you get enough of me as it is. So, enjoy the long weekend. Enjoy the OUA football and I'll be talking to you next week at the 55.